Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today.
the soul and mind. And the second, which is likely to it, love your neighbors yourself. This week is all the commandments are given, whether they be in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Because the Bible is a unifying book, the Old and the New Testament are just complementary. It is true that the New Testament brings into sharper focus those principles that were given to us in the Old Testament. Eight hundred commands in the New Testament. Again, many people overlook them. They are all beautiful extensions of God's laws in the Old Testament. So, uh, I felt like that it would be great to go over these. We'll take a little break a few times and come back to this series. But this morning, we're going to talk about some laws. Now, many of the laws are negative. Thou shalt not, or don't. And many people look at the laws of God and say, well, they're so negative. Christianity is so negative, they whine. All those thou shalt nots. Some of the commandments are stated in a negative way. But the outcome can be very definitely positive. I won't say negative positive as possible, but if I say to my child negatively, don't run that butcher in the hand. The outcome, if they obey, is I would say quite positive. Would you agree? Extremely so. But there are actually in the New Testament hundreds of positive commands where God says, do something. So they got a room and they filled it with horsemen. They put the man child in there and observed how he responded predictably. And he whined and cried, all that smell in the room. And they put another child in there. The little guy started tearing around the room, digging in the manure with excitement. And after a few moments watching this, the baffled onlookers went in there and asked the little child why he was so excited. He said, Six American adults. 
about soberness in the sense of metaphorical. The general sense meaning don't be intoxicated by the world. The word there in the New Testament has more different shades of meaning. One is spiritual steadfastness, self-control, clarity of mind, clarity of purpose. And if there ever has been a generation that needed to be clear of mind, it is this one. And the world's allurements are so intoxicating. The word sober in the King James is used 12 times. It comes from two different Greek words. But there are five specific times in the New Testament where God says, be sober or be or live with self-control. And so we're going to look at those today and it's associated requests. So let's look at them together. Number one, be sober. Spiritual 
he is simply saying, at the second coming, it is going to be the consummation of all that God has talked about from Genesis 1 all the way through this moment. What he's saying is stay steady, stay at it, stay on point, stay focused, don't get drunk with the world, don't let your mind get you know, loose focus, stay at it, just stay sharp. You know, drink some spiritual caffeine, keep focused on the Lord. Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. At hand meaning it's coming in. It's about to happen. Now in Scripture, the that phrase is known in theology as the doctrine of imminency. The imminent return of our Lord. Which is different than the soon return. Now we would hope that he's going to come soon.
church, no matter what, shall flourish in the course of their life. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. I'm a good example of that. Older people bring spiritual experience, spiritual strength, and spiritual wisdom that none other can. But only if they stay sober. And that's why this commandment of Christ is so important for the church. Because these saints have so much to offer. God says to the old men, be sober. Or live in moderation. Don't be indulgent. Don't be extravagant. How do you achieve that? Well, I think we could say here, certainly don't drink your life away. I'm amazed how many older men just feel like it's okay to just drink their life away. How ridiculous. Don't stay inebriated with your own pain and your own problems. Stay focused on the Lord and His work. The ancient men should be sober, sound in faith. Then it says grave. Grave. It just means not frivolous. That doesn't mean again fun. It just means don't be so trivial about things. In Haven, Florida, there was a dispute at the South Park into a food fight at the upscale retirement home. So the man ended up taking a bite out of an arm and another resident's own suffering minor injuries. The police said the resident Lee Foss, 62, of Spring Haven Retirement Community, was picking through the lettuce, which disgusted 86-year-old William Hawker, who was standing behind him line. Hawker told Boss no one wanted to eat food, he had plenty of it. Boss yelled and cursed at him. Hawker told police, and Hawker then called him a nasty name. Then, witnesses said, he began touching Hawker in the face. In the buffet, Malay that followed Albatross 79 tried to grab Boss, who then bit him and took a chunk out of his arm. Folks, that's just ridiculous. Be sensible, come on. A salad bar is no reason to fight. In an outburger, yeah, but not, not the salad bar. Don't get in my way when I'm in the For the sober, for the aged men and women, thoughtlessness is now gone. There ain't no life is too short to be angry. I can understand. Maybe young people they have to fall. Folks, seriously. You're 60, 70, 80 years old. Why are you getting so upset? Come on. Why are you so mad at each other? Life is too short. I mean, you're going to spend your life angry at each other, saying nasty, unkind things? Life is too short. Be sound in the faith. Ordinary is healthy. A healthy faith. And I will tell you, in our church, we have 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds, who have shown us that God can be trusted. And their faith holds up the church. And their faith holds up a family and their faith holds up a nation. They've been to the hospital. They've been to the funerals. They have the loss and disappointments of life. And God has been faithful. And that kind of mature faith holds up a church. One of the saddest things in the world I've ever seen is an older man or an older woman who's bitter and just lived their lives on the drunk. 
So we should be sober and hopeful, sober and prayerful, sober and faithful, and then number four, sober and thoughtful, loving. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, let's read it together. Here's an exhortation that not only the aged, but the young women, specifically referring to young women, but it really could be any, to be sober-minded, the word is there, to be balanced in their mind, to be steady, to be self-controlled, follow the Lord's steps. And what is being said to the women in these verses is exactly opposite of what's being told them today. Today, they're told to do whatever pleases you. Go out and grab your home. Take care of you. Don't worry about anybody else. And by no means at all, ever follow your husbands or your father's leadership. But a healthy church knows, and healthy Christians know, that in order to have a healthy witness, the women in our lives must be sober. They must have self-control. Their minds must be set on things above. They must have their lives have says the most sensible thing that you can do is to be loving. Notice what it says, you should love your husband. Interesting. Well, that might mean three words in English. It's actually one word in the Greek. It's the word philanthros, or a lover of
Be sober and spiritual. Let's read verse 6 to 7. Ready? Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing myself a pattern of good works. Now, there are lots of commands in the Bible. There are hundreds of them in the Old Testament, hundreds of them in the New Testament. Some sound negative. But in the New Testament, there are five commands to be sober. Here we have the command to young men to be sober. Now the world says, no, don't be sober. Rather, you're young. So your Bible notes, this is the time as never before to go out and have fun, they say. But God says, no, this is the time to be a good example, a godly example. Set the pace for the assembly you're in. Notice that little transitional word again, likewise. Likewise. The idea is that in the same way that God calls the older men, in the same way that God calls the older women, in the same way that God calls the younger women, in the same way that God calls the saints and lovers. Yes, even as a young man, you're not supposed to just live for parties and football and Nintendo. No, there's something different. Now, there are three enemies, and I would suggest this morning, to soberness in the heart of the young man. Let me give it to you very quickly. Number one, indulgence. I'm telling you, the stats on Gen Z is frightening. Those that are basically mid-20s and below, I mean, it is just unbelievable. The anti-God message, the uh, rich stuff. But many of them have grown up in homes where they have pretty much as much money as they want stuff, no, just about every modern convenience and no choice. Just enough to do what they please, and especially if a father is absent, a 25-year-old man boy will do nothing but sit there and play video games all day long. Indulgence is a great enemy to a young man being a sober. Not only indulgence, but independence. I'm a firm believer in teaching a young man to stand on his own they need to learn responsibility, of course. But turning them loose from all family accountability is another thing. And I promise you, just turning these young men loose without any kind of accountability is a train wreck. We recall the ominous Old Testament story of Israel's high priest, Eli. And the Bible says the problem with Eli, God nailed him. He said, I'll just tell you what happened. And God took him out. He was the high priest. I mean, this guy was not, uh, he was the top dog out there. And God took him out. Because he said, you did not restrain your sons. You just advocated. You gave up. You were, you were just a wimp. You would not restrain your sons. My friend, our sons need our, they need parents. Yeah, I know you want to be there, but who doesn't? Someone has to be the dad. Someone has to be the parent. They cannot just live their life indulgent. They cannot just live their life independent. They need guidance. And finally, the third thing I would suggest is that is intellectualism. Youth is an especially dangerous time because they're pliable and they're eager and they're bright and their minds are so ready to suck in everything that comes their way. And that's why college 
still on Monday's day to excel. I still ask you And I tell you to send your child there. They probably, if they have to, for some kind of special training, they need to be shored up. And that's why Paul says to Titus, exhort them. Why would that, why would that word mean to come alongside? It means don't just give up. It means come alongside and tell them to be sober, be sensible. Tell your sons to be sensible. And what is that what God says to do? He says, focus on good works. Look at that phrase there, verse 7. Show yourself to be a pattern of good works. Stay so busy serving God. Stay so busy going to church that you don't have time to get off that. I mean, there's no reason why they
We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.